our series uh, for this year were changed because of how cell group had to be operated. And so God is so amazing that I'm going to speak about water in God's house this morning, speaking about the church, um, with not knowing the events of last week leading into this week would have taken place. And so I think like, like God really wants to say something to us in the midst of what is happening. And so who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Welcome to those of you who are watching online. You can participate in our, uh, If you have not received a handout, we will ensure that it gets to you. Uh, but it normally has all the blanks filled in when it's emailed to you. So you can just track it once you get it. You can also connect with your cell leader and they will also get it to you. Our key text this morning for part 7 in our series, Revivals Again, is from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 47 from verse 1 to 12. And as usual, I'm going to ask you to stand with me out of reverence for God's word, for the reading of his holy word. I mean, God is, God's word is life, it is light, it is a two-edged sword. It's sharp and it's powerful. It cannot be added to and nothing can be taken from it. It is the word of God and it was in the beginning and at the end of time. The word of God will still be standing. The Logos word and the Rhema word of God. So let's stand this morning. Ezekiel chapter 47 from verse 1 to 12. I will be reading from the New American Standard Bible. But just lift your Bibles up this morning. And let's declare a, this, 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 this word of faith this morning. That this is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let me read for you. Uh, I'm going to read from the new American Standard Bible. But you can follow along. I want you to highlight some stuff. Underline it. Because these, st I, these things are going to be very important. To the sermon. Amen. Verse 47, chapter 47, verse 1, it says, Then he brought me back. And we could stop there and speak because as you go further, you will realize that the person would have gone away from a place and they are being brought back to a specific location. All right? So when you don't hear the name, you always focus on what is done. That's part of, of what you call hermeneutics, biblical interpretation. When the name of the place is there, then you pay attention to the name because there's something significant about the name. Then he brought me back 
to the door of the house. And behold, water was flowing from under the threshold. So he was brought back to the house, speaking to the house of God. And there is water coming from under that place where the altar was. And behold, and he says, um, the threshold of the house toward the east. Remember we said last week, when the Bible speaks to east, it speaks to a people going away from God. So he was in the house, but it was facing the direction of where people normally go away from God. All right? For the house faced the east. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from the south of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate by the way facing east. And behold, the water was spurting out from the south side. As some translation, I say they use the word uh, trinkle. Trickle, right. So meaning it was just, you know, you know, drip, drip. Drip, drip. When the man went toward the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and he led me through the water. He led me through the water. Now water is always a representation of the Holy Spirit of God. Right? It says water reaching the ankles. Right? So he started out with a little trickle. Then he was led to where it was ankle high and again he measured a thousand and led me through the water reaching the knees every time he was led he was led by the man someone was leading this person deep into water that represents the Holy Spirit again he measured a thousand and led me through the water reaching the hip and again he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not wade across because the water had risen enough to swim in. A river that could not be crossed by wading. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river there were very, very many trees on one side and on the other side. Then he said to me, these waters go toward the eastern region and go down into the Ariba. Then they go toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of the sea become fresh. Right? So it was going into, if you understand the time, into the Dead Sea. It was called a Dead Sea because it was the salt content in it. And, but when this water from the house of God got into the Dead Sea, into the dead places, the water that was salty became fresh. And it will come, out, come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. So when the river runs from the house of God, anything that comes near the river... The spirit of God that is represented by water as it goes out of the house of God into the society. Everything it touches will come to life. And there will be many fish for the waters go there and, other become, and others become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Hallelujah. Everything will live where the river goes. And it will come about that fishermen will stand beside it. From Engidi to Eneglam, 
there will be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be according to their kind, like the fish of the great sea, very many. In other words, there is a prosperity because the water has left the house and gone into society. But it will swarm and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt and by the river on its bank and on one side and on the other side will grow all kinds of tree for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit Their fruit not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the... So it's telling you where the water is coming from that is causing all the change. The water is coming from the... And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. In other words, when the water leaves the church and goes into society, when the Spirit of God being carried by the people of God into society... Life and prosperity and healing and, 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 and provision and, and miracles, signs and wonders begin to happen. It's not when the people come into the church. It's when the church takes what has been given to it into the community. We can see that clearly in the scripture. So we're going to speak about that this morning. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God Almighty, mighty and strong God. The only true and living and wise God. You are the faithful and true God. And who is like you? No one, nowhere, ever, or will ever be like you. None can compare. Open our eyes this morning to see your truth, our ears to hear your voice, our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. God, may we be more than mere hearers of your word this morning, but doers also. God, come, take over. We decrease. I decrease this morning so you would increase. Let your will be done and your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. The goal of this message this morning on the water, on water in the house of God is to learn how important the calling and the task of the church is as God's house. Right? If you understand that the, the, the word church primarily and predominantly used in a New Testament context, which is in the Greek, really means ecclesia, which is the called out ones. The church is uh, uh, the ecclesia, the called out people of God who are given influence by the Spirit of God to govern over a particular place on God's behalf. That is the church. The church has never been a building and the church will never be a building. The church is the governing influence of God through his people in specific geographical locations until God returns. Amen? In other words, you are the church. You are the church. When we gather together, we are the church. Wherever that gathering is, as long as we are being influenced by the power of Almighty God. So the church is where his manifest presence meets with his people and the Holy Spirit fills and empowers them so that God's grace can flow from the church into a society that is broken and bring about real change and restoration. 
That's pretty long, so let me say it for you again. The church is where his manifest presence meets with his people. Therefore, if you have the property and don't have the presence, you're wasting time. You can have the property and don't have the presence. It is where his manifest presence meets with his people. So if there's no manifest presence, there is no church. There is just property. A amen? So if, the, if God has left the building, you have property without presence. His manifest presence with his people. And the Holy Spirit then fills and empowers them. So when you come to church, it's to be filled and empowered by the manifest presence of God. Why? So that God's grace can flow from you, from me, from the church, into a society, a Jamaica that is broken, and bring about real change and restoration and bring about revival and that is why at the beginning we said that revival begins in the house of god so god's house purpose is not just the place where his people gather but the place where his powerful manifest presence lives among his people you see god wants his people to experience his reality not just come into his building so the greatness of the church lies in whether we are recognizing and experiencing the presence of Almighty God. At the end of the day, if we play the right songs and preach the right service and the reality of God is not experienced, we have not had church. If God is not experienced, that is not church. I don't want to get ahead of myself, and that is why I will build my church. And so if God is not in it, it is not church. If you have a good time and God was not here, that's all you had. A good time. For it to be church, the reality of God must be experienced. And the manifest presence must be felt. So you can be in the building, but not in church. And any building can be a church. Because your home could be a church. But you could be in the church building and still not be in church. Because the reality of God is not experienced. And his manifest presence is not felt. So we need churches that want to influence society for Christ. That want to see the blessings and works of God to overflow from the church into the city and the culture around us. This is what we read about in our passage. But even though this may be a church's sincere desire, they are prerequisite we must meet as God's people his church, if we are to see God's power flowing out from the church into the world. There are some things that we will have to do. 
to experience this kind of outpouring and flowing of the Spirit of God. The church, the house of God, can be compared to, uh, I, I don't know where, if it's Vale Royal or King's House or Garden House, but, but I'm going to, it could be compared to Garden House or it could be compared to King's House or it could be compared to Vale Royal. I think that's, that's, those three places represent the seat of governance and influence in our country, for the most part, right? I know the Prime Minister may have his own private home, Right, but just like the White House in the United States, like our White House is is what King's House, Vale Royal. Oh, I thought I thought you'd have been King's House because nothing really goes on at Vale Royal. Hey, I need to use a house for it to make sense, right? So <laughs> I'm going to use King's House. All right, just work with just work with the flow. Don't Vale Royal me right now, right? The King's House and its resident has a lot to do with what going on in the country. It has a lot of power to influence what is done in our society. So it is with the church. But in a much greater sense because the church's resident is the almighty God of the universe. Just like when the president of the United States sits in the White House, it, it, it represents authority and power so when God sits in the house of the church, it represents the place of authority and power in the nation. So King's House is far more than a residence. It symbolizes the person and the power that resides within its walls. The Prime Minister and the Parliament inside the King's House is a physical representation of the power and the authority of the entire country. The church should be a house of God that represents the power and authority of an almighty God. Can you see the, 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 the comparison? So we should spend a lot more time being concerned with what's going on inside God's house than what is going on inside King's house, inside Gardner house, or inside Vale Royal. We should be more focused on what is happening inside God's house. You see, many Christians understand that their bodies are the temple of God's house, the temple or the house of God. But there is a corporate sense to this term as well. So we now know that in the New Testament, and I'm going to get into that a little later, that now we are the temple of God and he lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we understand that. And though that's an individual thing, there's a coming together of all of us where God sits as head and leader and authority. Christ is the head of the church. A church that truly engages God in pure worship doesn't just mean a church that has good preaching our good worship, our good ushers, our good hospitality people, our good children's ministry, our good youth ministry. True worship of the Almighty is more than well-prepared sermons or catchy songs. Yes, these things are ingredients in good worship, but the key is experiencing and humbly approaching God. At the end of the day, the purpose of church is not good sermons. 
The purpose of church is not catchy songs. The purpose of church is experiencing God and us humbly approaching Him. Our Jamaican society has become obsessed with entertainment. We want to be constantly entertained. Whether it is television or a sporting event, we just want to experience the moment and say it was good. Have you ever had that before? How was church today? It was good. What did the Lord say? Well, I don't even remember, but it was good. You can't experience God and not remember. How could the Almighty God turn up? You experience His reality. Filled with His power. Dive into His manifest presence and don't remember what happened. Something is missing. Put it to you, church, that the problem of it was good can creep into church and into our worship services. A good worship service has nothing to do with entertainment. And we as believers need to realize that we are not the audience of a worship service. That role belongs to God. He is the audience. When you step into the building, he is the one that you're putting on a show for. Amen? The musicians, they're putting on a show for God. And if they're not doing that, all they're doing is making noise. That's all it is. Distracting noise. The singers, the sermon, if the audience is not God, it's a complete waste of time. You're just filling spaces. That is why not everything that looks good is God. Not everything that sounds good is heavenly. Because a worship service cannot be successful unless God is encountered and experienced, not just talked about. So, the purpose of my sermon is not so that we can talk about God. It's so that we can encounter God and experience God. The purpose of the song is not so that we can leave here talking about how good the song is. It's so that we can encounter God and experience God. Listen, it is better to have no singing and experience God. It's better to have no instrument and experience God. It's better to have no sermon and experience God than have all those things and never encountered Him. And that's a sad reality of many churches today. You see, the difference between singing or hearing about God and actually experiencing Him is the difference between reading a book about the Blue Mountain and actually climbing up the Blue Mountain. Do you know that that's a completely different Two completely different things. Our churches must experience true worship and let God flow and work through our midst. And that is why the only way God is going to move and flow through 
And that is the only way God is going to move and flow through the midst of our society. So the church is a group of flawed human beings. But we serve a special place. And we are God's starting point to change in the world around us. So just put your hand on your chest this morning and say with me, I am God's starting point to change in the world around me. Amen? It means it starts in the house of God and we must be a part of it. So God has a house. And in the Old Testament, that house was called the tabernacle, the temple. The temple was the representative abode of the presence of God among his people. You can read that in scripture, you know it as well. But the Israelites in the wilderness were instructed to build a traveling tabernacle for sacrifices and worship of God. It was made in such a way that it could be broken down and put back up. And was critical as the physical location of God's presence amongst his people. Solomon then came on and built a grand and permanent temple for the presence of God in Jerusalem. And after this was destroyed by the Babylonian in 586 BC, Zerubbabel led a group to return home after captivity and rebuilt the temple as Israelites resettled in their homeland. It was expanded under King Herod and was finally destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And so prophecy speaks of a third temple being rebuilt. And this is a key, a key part of biblical uh, uh, prophecy. So, 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 so what's the point? I want you to understand that no building can host God. Why? Point one in your notes. You may be saying, boy, pass your tech log to reach you. That's how I like it. I like, I like, you understand me? I have a very old car, so I have to have the engine. You know, you know what I mean? You know? Yeah, yeah, warm up. That, that was just warm up. No, we are ready. Are you ready? Hallelujah. No building can host God. Why? Because God is greater than the sum total of everything he made. Hallelujah. God is bigger than the sum total of everything that he has made. Everything that you can think of. So when, 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 when we say God lives in us, it doesn't limit who God is. It shows us how big God is. That in every person, everywhere who calls on the name of Jesus, he lives in them. And he's still big enough to be in heaven controlling everything. <laughs> I mean, it's so awesome, right? God is in every person who calls upon him. But he's still in heaven controlling everything on earth. So he's doing everything at the same time and nothing is getting out of control. And nothing can be done without him and everything is still under control. And though some of us think like things are out of control, he is still everywhere doing all things at all times and he's still in control. So we know that no one person, no physical place can contain God because he's bigger than the sum total of everything he made. God is greater than the universe. He made everything we have, yet he's bigger and greater than everything we are and everything we have all together, all of us. We can't understand how big God is. It cannot be explained how great God is. No song can properly explain 
express the greatness of God, the magnificence of God, the majesty of God. It is impossible to comprehend how great God is. Why? Because God is bigger than our minds can comprehend. You cannot fathom, understand, put it together. You, you, even if you have a hundred PhDs, you can't understand how huge and big God is. No one building can contain Him. Amen? Well, hallelujah. Come on, you need to put your hands together because your servant God is so big. Think about the great philosophers, the great scientists of all time, and they can't understand God. Who, who, is, who is that brilliant mind out there that you know? They can't, they, they can't explain God. It's almost like, it's like this, right? I don't know if you know this, but you can't discover God. God cannot be found. God has to reveal himself. So it's just like my kids. If they are trying to find me in a game of hide and seek, I'm going to hide so well they can't find me. The game is going to end because either I'm going to stay in hiding and they stop searching or I reveal myself to them. That's God. No matter how hard you search, you can't find him. But when he's ready, he reveals himself. Because there will always be more of God than we can ever know. We can't ever discover everything about God. It's, it, it's so amazing. Like, like you think you had it all covered last year? Only to come to this year and say, I didn't even know that. Listen, you could, I could give you one scripture for the rest of the year to read. And if you're really close to God, that scripture will change almost every day by the power of God and teach a new revelation. Just one scripture. I don't, have to give you, I don't have to give you a chapter. I could give you a portion of a chapter. And in that alone, God could reveal himself so much that it mesmerizes you. And you haven't even gone through the Bible yet. In fact, God don't even have to go in the Bible. God could say, just stop today and explain the Son. And when you finish explaining the sun, I'm not talking the S-O-N, I'm talking the, the S-U-N. Explain what happens. Where it gets its light from. Scientifically, do it. Geographically, locate it. Logically, reason it. However you want to do it, then you come back to me. Medically prove what it can do. So with the sun alone, it could take you a lifetime. And you still don't answer all the questions. Imagine the human body. God just says, listen, alright? Let's talk about the heart. Take this year and do a complete study of the heart and then get back to me. Do the physical attributes. You know, the, the, everything that pumps blood to it and from it. I'm, 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 do you understand how, 
how great and mighty God is. So no matter what you know of God, scripture will always reveal more. Hallelujah. Amen. So no one building can host God because God is greater than the sum total of everything he made. And so what is the purpose of churches? Churches are to fulfill their divine mandate. Like I said earlier, you cannot have a cult church. You're either a cult or you're a church. Because the church of God have a divine mandate. The church didn't come from earth to get to heaven. It came from heaven and got to earth. And it's going back to heaven. He's coming back for his to bring it where? Where he is. Because that's where he came from. So the church has a divine mandate. Church is God's house, not man's house. The church don't belong to a pastor. The church doesn't belong to an area. The church doesn't belong to a denomination. And anytime anyone tells you that they are the church, it's because you're not the church. One way you can identify a cult is when they say, we are the true church. Meaning that everything else is not a church. Because what they have done is gone back to what we first said, that God cannot be contained by one building and one place and one people and one denomination. The church is where we experience God's reality and his manifest presence. So church has a higher purpose than entertainment. You know that if some people don't get the entertainment value in church, they don't feel good? You know, persons, oftentimes I've heard persons come in and say, I mean, we used to have a lot of this in the past, that, why, why, pastor don't have no fire? And, and the idea of fire is, you know, <laughs> take out the kerchief and whop, 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 and wave, and, you know, drinking my water, and, whoo, <laughs> like, like, that, that is the fire. In other words, it's not really fire. What you're saying is that it's not entertaining enough. Because people love to be entertained. But the church has a higher purpose than entertainment. The church is where we encounter God, not where we come to be entertained. If you want to be entertained, go to... Uh, uh, a concert. Uh, go here, some fest. And reggae sound splash. Um, what's the one that they? What's what's the one that they had? They, they, they said caused the spike in in the um, in Negril. Yeah, go to Dream Weekend. Go to Dream Weekend. I mean, uh, uh, seriously, I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just, I'm just don't don't take me don't take me seriously, right? Because. <laughs> No way to walk out of here and say, well, pastor told us to go to dream weekend. Hello. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but church is where we come to encounter God. So when you walk in and you see stuff, you say, God, I want you today. More than the song, more than the sermon, God, I want you. Because if you get the song and you get the sermon and you miss God, you didn't come to church. 
unless God is experienced and encountered, there is no church. The audience for the service is the living God. In fact, it is his church, according to Matthew 16, verse 18. He says, And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, what else it says? I will, I will build. Whose church is it? God's church. Who builds the church? God builds the church. So, if it is my church, then it operates according to my standards. God is really saying, when you come into my house, I am your audience. It's not the pastor's church. It's not your musician's church. It's not your singer's church or your worshiper's. It is my church. And when you step into my church, you worship me. That's what the God is really saying. The Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. But far too many Christians, a two-hour church service is like going to a two-hour movie. Where you go to the movie, you're ready for a couple of hours of entertainment. You're just a spectator, not a participant. You know, when you go to the movies, you're really a spectator. You're not participating. You know, you buy your concessions and settle into your comfortable seat, ready to have a fun night. After the film is over, you critique the movie, saying what you did or you did not like about it. That's how movies go. That's how entertainment goes. That's not how the church goes. The problem is that too many believers go to church with a theater mindset, a movie mindset. They come to church, and here's what. What happened that I liked? You know, or didn't like? Let me critique. You know, they, did, they didn't do enough songs this morning. Where was the fourth one? I was waiting on the fourth one, you know. You know, it's just like I go to a concert... And, um, you know, your favorite artist is performing and they didn't do the number one song. And, and your problem is, boy, it was a good concert, but they never did my song. That's how some of us come to church. You know, I was so, I was so waiting. Imagine if they had done this song after they did that song. Oh, that would have felt so good. <laughs> but in our worship service we're not simply spectators we're participants in the act of worshiping the one true God and this is the battle of the saints of God am I a participant or a spectator because too many churches people have to beg us to participate because we like to spectate. We marvel. Oh my God, this sounds so good. Oh, listen to that guitar. Oh, listen to that voice. Oh, look at those words. Oh my God. At first I'm seeing these words of this song. It's such, a, it's such a nice song. And we get caught up in entertainment value. And miss the encounter with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No song can change you unless you experience God. 
No sermon can change you unless you encounter the living God. He is the one. It was the water that brought the change, not the location. Let me say it again. In our text, it was the water that brought the change, not the location. So what we see in a movie isn't real. Just a professional performance put on by the actors. May this never be said of those within the house of God. So I want to encourage my worship team. Listen. Don't concern yourself with the spectators. Concern yourself with the audience. And God is. It's not about sounding good. Sounding good is good. It's about pleasing God. At the end of the day, that's what matters most. Amen? Talk about a divine mandate, but the purpose of the church is to experience God. The point is not to help us feel better. No, you may disagree with this. Church is not here to make you feel better. Why? Because when we come to church, we come to elevate God, not elevate ourselves. Church is for the purpose of elevating God, not elevating us. So the experience inside a church affects what happens outside. And I put it to you, people of God that if the water doesn't leave the church and get into society, society won't change. You see, you see the church has a problem with what is happening with society, but the church needs to have a problem with what is happening in church. Because if, 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 if the waters are not leaving the church, the water in the text representing the spirit of God going into the river, causing that salty river to become fresh, bringing life, then listen, society won't change. We have too long prayed for the people to come in instead of taking the water to them. We want to stay in the space called the church and, and in the building. We want to stay in the building and we want to stay in the building and confine as if we want to confine the Almighty God to our geographical location. When you see in the text, it says the river, it was faced eastward where people had turned away. And then when the water went out, everything began to change around the building. So the point is not to get what you want out of it. Therefore, coming just for the sermon or music misses the point. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people, not activities to fill time. That's what Psalm 22 verse 3 says. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So an empty church building can't be a house of worship. It can't be. It's just a building. Uh, I don't know if you know cotton candy. Um, it's a sweet and delicious treat that many people enjoy. You know, um, normally have them at schools and sporting events in particular. Cotton candy is it's tasty because it is pretty much just pure sugar. Right? Cotton candy is just, it's just 
sugar that disappears. <laughs> right? that, that's, yeah, right? I mean, it, its light and fluffy texture disappears quickly as it melts in your mouth or even as your hand and, you, and, um, and you're left with, no, uh, or even in your hand, and then you're left with nothing at all, right? That's how it works, right? Some people come to church hope, hoping to get that spiritual cotton candy. You know what I mean? They want a quick, sweet taste. And say that got something. Say they got something. But it's just fluff. And it disappears quickly. A lot of people want that. That, 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 that cotton candy kind of Christianity. I just need some sugar right now. To feel good. And you have a feel good moment. But a forgetful experience. Because there's nothing to remind you of an encounter or an experience with God. We need spiritual substance and long-term change. Not a church carnival full of cotton candy. Amen? And I want to challenge you to challenge believers. Challenge the church to, to... and I'm not talking about being disorganized. I'm talking about, listen, about being spirit-led, but understanding that this is not about entertainment. It doesn't have to be done right in terms, it doesn't have to be done perfect to give God glory. Amen? In other words, listen, the music can be off, the singing can be off, but the heart is tuned in to God. What I don't want is, oh, you, they're so skilled and they're so great and oh, everything is put on except connecting with God. But if you read in the text, you will also realize that we can't experience God more if we don't go farther with him. You realize that uh, the person didn't stay. He said, and the man led me to where it was knee deep. And he led me to where it was waist deep. In other words, he had to be following the man from the place where he saw it trickling. To where it was ankle deep. To where it was knee deep. To where he had to keep following. And the more he followed is the deeper he got. In other words, the more you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, is the deeper you're going to get. Is the more submerged you're going to be in the manifest presence of God. Why? Because our relationship with God is made to grow. You need to stop talking about your work in progress if you aren't making any progress. I mean, you are a work in progress last year and this year telling me you are a work in progress. Here's what I want to ask you. Have you progressed from where you were? Because if you ain't progressing, you are working stagnation. If you have a relationship with God, the scripture is clear. You have to move from, from the trickling point to the ankle point. When you get there, you can't get comfortable there. You have to go where it's knee high. You have to go where it's waist high. You have to go to the place where it's completely covering you. You're not going to draw closer to God if you don't follow him. He said, and the man went and I followed. He measured some more and I followed him. He measured some more and I followed him. You have to follow God. 
You see, most of us are too satisfied with a trickle of water instead of a strong flow. Because we get a little here, we are okay. We're feeling something here. We, we, we have enough, but it's not enough. And, but we are stuck in just having it because it feels good right there. To understand that you can't stay still and experience God. If God hasn't blown your mind, you haven't followed him far enough. God says he will do abundantly more than we can even imagine. He says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. Sometimes we have to swim to where God wants us, not walk. You understand me? It got to a place where it wasn't walking time, it's swimming time. You see, I was able to swim, walk when it was ankle and knee and waist, but I got to a place now where it's totally over me. I have to start swimming. I have to start swimming in the water of God. Let me just go, 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 go back to verse 8 and verse 9 of our text. I shared this with you, and it spoke about how it went into, you know, the water came out, and it, it, it turned the fresh water, the salt water, and it made it fresh. See, the Dead Sea is a unique body of water in Israel. It is a, I don't know if you know this, but the Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth, which means water flows into it, but not out of it. Its waters are so salty and chemically laden that nothing can live in it. A person can float on top of the water because the salt a person can float on top of the water because the salt content is so high. Absolutely no fish or wildlife can be sustained because of the unique makeup of the water. In fact, Saddam and Gomorrah was located at the south end of the Dead Sea. You remember how Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt? Yeah. And so there was a, a large collection of salt formation which would make sense in the story of Lot and his wife. You see, this body of water played a unique role in biblical history and it's frequently made throughout scriptures. And though it is like that though, the scripture says that when the water from the house of God got there, it made what was salty fresh. And everything that was in that dead place was now able to have life. Because there was something leaving from the house of God. Going into every crevice and every corner. Bringing life and bringing change. He spoke about how the fishermen would get many fish of all kinds of their kinds and of their size. He spoke about how their nests would burst. He spoke about how trees began to spring up. Why? Not because some people from the outside got saved and came in. But because those who were saved started going out because the water was pushing them out. There's a thing about swimming. You see, you see when you're walking in water, you, you tend to go in a particular direction. But sometimes when you are you are, you are completely covered by the water. You're being carried by the waves and the wave begins to bring you here and it brings you there. And, and that wave is the power of God moving you to touching and changing life. That's what the, this is what Jamaica needs right now. The water's flowing. Why is this important? It is important, church, because when you see these things happening, know that God is coming back. 
And so if he's coming back and it is his house, what are we supposed to do? We need to welcome him. Right? So if you were left at a person's house and I said, listen, I'm coming back. I'm coming back next month. What do you start doing? Start getting things in order. You start cleaning. You start swimming, sweeping. You start repainting. You know, if they told you not to sleep on the, on the queen-size bed and you, and you steal a sleep over there, you understand? You change spread and everything. You wash up everything. You're changing drapes and all of those stuff. You're packing back stuff. If you happen to have moved anything out of place, you know what you're going to do? You're going, you're going to put it back in place because they are coming back. It means that you're setting up a welcoming party for the person who is coming back. Especially when it's someone that you honor. Someone who has shown you a great favor. They have given you a house and they say, listen, stay there, work in there, operate in there as long as you want. So if we believe that he's coming back, we need to be welcoming him back. Why? Because God doesn't spend time where he's not welcomed. He's not going to make anybody worship him. That, that's, that's on us. So God is waiting on us to do what we are supposed to do. Which is we need to make a big deal over our big God. Do you ever see a, a wife whose husband is away and, and I mean she's so in love with him and she, listen I'm coming back. And, and, and she's excited and she's, oh man, he's coming back and she's telling everybody. I mean, some of you know what that is like. Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But for those of you who know, I mean, if you don't know, probably watch some movie on Lifetime or something and you see these things in there. I don't know. But, 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 but here's the thing, here's the thing. There is, you begin to make a big deal because of how you honor and reverence the person. We need to make a big deal about God. We don't keep a dignitary waiting. Right? So if he says he's coming back, why are we keeping our God waiting? And he's a dignitary. So how do we usher in him in? With worship. Because God is looking for true worshipers. And God is looking for true worship. When God begins to see a people worshiping. Oh, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes into the name, it comes in the name of the Lord. Then God shows up. When God looks and he says, listen, they are worshiping. I am coming. I, I am coming back. That's why John 4.24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He wants us to worship church. Everything and everyone will worship God one day. But right now he wants his church to worship. But a day is coming when those who don't want to will have to. How do I know that? Because Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let me, let me close with this one point this morning. So God is looking for people who are full of him. 
sound is not impressive. It is when you are full of Him. That's what impresses God. He wants people who are swimming in His depth. He's not looking for surface level followers. We have to get deep in the water of the Spirit of God. He doesn't want a trickle of worship where it started but a submerged life of worship. And so he desires that his followers talk about him. So Christians should not have to be begged to speak of God. Should not have to be begged to worship. Should not have to be begged to clap and shout and give glory to God. He wants committed disciples who are looking for him. It's just like when you're learning to swim. You have to begin with them in the shallow end of the pool but eventually the student has to leave the shallow end and put on display what they have learned they have to leave the shallow end and swim to the deep end of the pool listen it's time for us to begin to swim to the deep end because too many Christians who start in the shallow end of faith stay there for far too long the easiest place for you to be deceived and to be led astray is in the shallow end. Because a shallow end, the sh- staying in the shallow end is really saying, watch this, I'm not, because remember, the man is always moving. As soon as he got to the trickle, he measured a thousand. When he got there, he measured the next thousand. In other words, the moment the man, the spirit begins to walk and you stay where you are, you have opened your life to all kind of deceptive way of thinking. You have to keep going. You have to keep moving and getting deeper and deeper in the things of God. Amen? They don't reach even a portion of their potential in the Lord when they stay in the shallow end. So start swimming with God and get out there and put your spiritual training to the test. The song the worship team should have done it. It's, it's said forever yours. You save me. And I will be forever yours. And I want, I, want to, I want to conclude by saying this. You can't get where God wants you. By treading water. In the shallow end of life. You have to get into the deep end. Uh, have you ever seen fireplaces? Uh, fireplaces. They are, they are very, these very small. Content areas in a house. But their heat has an effect on the house far beyond their immediate location. See, God wants our hearts and lives to be burning so deep and so hot for him that it touches a large area around us for his cause. He wants our fires to be blazing hot so that everywhere we go, the wood gets inflamed by the Spirit of God. You know why the culture today is dry and dead? It is dry and dead because there is no water coming out of the sanctuary. Tell people, don't blame society. If God is who God says he is, and the church is what God says it is, then the church ought to be blamed. 
I'm not talking about the, the fancy buildings we see. I'm not talking about a particular denomination. I'm talking about you and 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 me and those watching online. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could have asked, think or imagine, according to the power that is at work in us. If you are in the water, then those who come close to you are going to get wet. Say it again. If you are forever in the waters of God, then those who come in contact with you are going to be wet are soaked are drenched by that same water the lord of this universe is not just waiting on you to show up and sit down he's waiting on you to worship him he's waiting on you to make a big deal about him so don't ever let people ask you to stand to worship god again when they are about to do it say you don't have to do that i'm ready don't, don't wait on the next song to worship God. Don't let the music distract you. Don't let a pastor ever believe that he's the one who is causing you to grow in God. You, you need an encounter with God for that. He didn't see a group followed the man. He said he took me back. It was individual and personalized. God is saying that every one of us need to leave from trickle point to ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep to be submerged. In other words, it means that you and you and you have the same spirit working in you that the pastor has to follow God. That the worship leader has to follow God. So the onus is on you. The onus is on me. What is the pastor doing? Following the same man that you ought to be following. What is the worship leader doing? Following the same man that you ought to be following. The onus is on you. See, the culture is not in the church. But we should be so hyped up about what takes place in the church building that we are effective outside of the building. You cannot come to church on Sunday and don't have an impact on people's life on a Monday. Then what, what, what is the point of church? If, if, if every Sunday you come to church and your life is not affecting other people's life, you came for entertainment. There's no way you can encounter God and do nothing. They, they don't go together. They work like that. God is not the nothing God. Everything the water touches have life and gives life and produces and reproduces. So if you're not reproducing, you aren't encountering. You're entertaining or being entertained. I know you'd have preferred heard to hear that, well, pastor, we're going to heaven, right? could be but let us not fool ourselves because in that day the scripture says men will come 
Say, haven't we prophesied? Wasn't I in church every Sunday, God? Wasn't I giving money to the church? Wasn't I preaching good sermons, God? Wasn't God, you, you don't remember me? Yeah, I used to play the guitar. God, you, you don't remember those cards I used to play on the keyboard and stuff? God, you don't remember me? I used to sing, I'm forever yours. This, and it's going to say, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. All because you were introduced to him at trickle point. And instead of going ankle deep, you stayed at trickle. And because you got close, you believe you're fully in. I remember as a child, um, my parents wouldn't allow me to go anywhere. And so, right before, I, I, right after I finished high school and was going to head back to Kingston like the following week, they used to have this big concert at a place called Landilo Cultural Center, Center in Westmoreland. Call it reggae, um, some reggae Kwanzaa where they have all of these big artists. And so my friends said that they were going. Um, pity I didn't know that they didn't have a way of getting in because they normally go to the concerts and they have ways of getting in that are not the right way of getting in. Let's leave it at that, right? So I got to the concert only to find out that they were going to find some vehicle on the outside to stand on it and then peep on what is going on on the inside. I'm thinking like, what's the point of going to a concert that they can't get into? And so, you know what one of them actually did? They tried to get over the fence into the concert and he put his leg over first and he got a button on his leg <laughs> because the security was there, fell down and mashed up his face. The, the funny thing is that that whole concert got mashed up and everything and artists didn't turn up and thing. And I realized that, listen, it's a waste of time. Because I was going to get into something that didn't even finish. But many of us are like the people who go to the event just to stay outside. And not, you're hearing everything, you're even seeing some stuff, but you're not fully in the moment because you're so close but still outside. I'm wondering if that's where your relationship is with God. You're very close, but you haven't gone through the narrow gate. You're waiting like my friend to take the broad one that leads to destruction. But you're very close. You're right there. You're hearing. You're seeing stuff. but you're still on the outside. Come on, just bow your heads with me this morning. As we close, I want to want to pray for you the song. It says, you saved me and I will be forever yours. Chorus says, and I will love you, God, and I will stand and worship 
Are you saved this morning? I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not inviting you to be part of a congregation of people or a denomination. My one question to you this morning is simply this. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you'd spend eternity with God? It's appointed for man to die once. But after that comes the judgment. Truth is, church, we get in eternity what we decide in time. Today could be your day of salvation. All it requires is that you follow the Lord. It says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe at some point you had a relationship with him. You were walking in the water, but somehow you, you walked away and you went back. And he's saying to you, he still loves you. He's saying that, return to me and I will return to you. There is enough water to drench you. There is enough water to lead you. There is enough water to carry you. There is enough water to wash you. So whether you're watching online or you're in this building this morning if you this morning would want the surety that if you die today you'd spend eternity with God I can't give you that but the Lord can I can only teach you the instructions of the Lord and so you'd encounter him and experience that but if you if, if you just, just lift your hands and say, I want that guarantee this morning. I want that guarantee that if I die today, I spend eternity with God. I need Him in my life. I need to return to Him or I need to come to Him for the first time. If that's you, just, just lift your hand up. If you're online watching and this applies to you, all you have to do is to punch it in the comment section. Just say, Pastor, this is for me I'm ready to come home to my Lord and Savior this morning and then just pray this, this very simple prayer just say Heavenly Father I am a sinner needing forgiveness I'm a sinner needing salvation I have missed the mark Forgive me, Lord. Save me, Lord. I invite you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. I acknowledge your Lordship and I surrender to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I believe in your son Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. He was buried 
But now he's resurrected and seated at your right hand. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for restoring me, for giving me new life. Teach me your ways, and I will follow. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Come, church, just stand to your feet this morning. And just give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Come on, just, just thank him for his water. Say, Lord, I thank you for your water. Come on, just say, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm going deep. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands. Listen, you don't need a song. Just lift your hands and just begin to worship him this morning. Just open your mouths. And as Psalm 22 says, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And uh, just feel at liberty to give him a praise and to give him a worship to exalt the name of Jesus. His name is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and they are safe. Oh, we bless you, almighty God. We exalt you living God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the one who is a conquering lion of the tribe of Judah, the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come, the one who rules and reigns from everlasting to everlasting. We look to the hills this morning from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. You are the good shepherd that leads us into the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. We thank you that you are a keeper and a protector. You are a refuge and a strength, O oh God. And we bless you. Come on, church, just lift your hands.